It's Tuesday, April 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker. Happy Tuesday. Why, thank you. Earnings Palooza is rolling on. Can you feel the excitement? Uh, yeah, it is pretty, it's getting rather exciting for those of us that follow these kinds of things. I was uh, I was talking um, with someone I know through the the business of radio yesterday, and uh, and we were talking about um, just this time of year. And I I said to him something that I've said on this podcast before, which is when it's earnings season, it's just it's fantastic. It's so great when it's about two weeks before earnings season starts. That's when we're banging our heads. Why against Why the do you still do a show like those for those two weeks? Um, hey, we do, we tell people, look, we're we're going to be here Monday look, through don't Thursday. Don't bother, you know. <laughs> to come back in two weeks. <laughs> no, when we're going to have like exciting still, quarterly earnings to th- talk about. There's still stuff to talk about. We get emails from our dozens of listeners. We hey, we we don't take we don't take two three weeks off just because there's not. <laughs> we don't do that here. Maybe other podcasts do that. We don't. Yeah, do most that. of the other podcasts. <laughs> Out there, uh, just taking those weeks off. They very well might. Uh, let's let's jump into the earnings. Let's start with Verizon. Uh, first quarter profits higher than expected. They added over half a million subscribers, uh, uh, nearly five percent increase year over year. It, on the surface, this looks like this has all the makings of a really really good quarter, and yet the stock down slightly. What's going on here? You know, it came more or less within expectations. The uh, growth in subscribers was mostly on uh, um, iPads um, and, and tablets, not on the phone. Uh, the phone side, in which they get seventy percent uh, wireless, uh, is seventy percent of their revenues come from, is a great business, and they're huge in it. Uh, but it is getting more and more competitive. The cost per Account came down for the quarter. Uh, you've got T-Mobile and Sprint who have uh, plenty of of interest in gaining some share and are trying to do it by lowering prices and have been very high profile in some of their plans. And Verizon can either uh, drop its prices to compete and maintain customers. It, it lost, uh, I think, about a hundred thousand um, uh, wireless uh, mobile customers. So. You know, parts of the business are going well. Other parts are under uh, competition, as you say. It was a pretty good quarter, but it, it's not all sunshine ahead for them. This seems like yet another set of businesses, and I've said this about the beer industry. I've said this about Coca-Cola, Pepsi. It must be nice, in a lot of ways, to be a marketing executive at Verizon, AT and T, Sprint, or T-Mobile, because I, I don't remember the last time. I was watching anything on television, or for that matter, spent any significant amount of time online without seeing some sort of advertisement from from one of these businesses. Yeah, and are you a Verizon customer? I am not. I once upon a time was, and I am an AT and T customer now. Right, um, and they sort of, you know, they're all just from an advertising standpoint, they all seem to be saying the same things, and they, in that sense, they all sort of blend together for me anyway. But when you look at the stocks. Verizon has solidly outperformed AT&T and Sprint over the last couple of years. And and to me, just looking at a couple of different charts this morning, the big surprise was T-Mobile. T-Mobile seems like the one, just like if you're just looking at the business and saying, one of these four isn't going to be around as a standalone company in five years, I think a lot of people, myself included, would bet on T-Mobile. But the stock is, is 
outperforming even the likes of Verizon. Yeah, well, they're they're keeping uh, you know rumors and offers and whatnot to to buy T-Mobile. So uh, Verizon, one assumes, will be standalone, and they've got a diversified business, and they're you know in the homes, and they're on the wireless, and it's it's all very competitive, and they're huge and entrenched. And I don't know how much more market share they can take uh, than what they've already got, but. You know, people like them more than they like Comcast. So uh, there are some. That's kind of a low bar, though, isn't it? Yeah, the lowest, I think. I mean, (laughs) by the way, I think that meeting is happening tomorrow. Uh, I've been seeing reports over the last couple of days that Comcast and Time Warner executives are going to be in town on Wednesday to, I guess, bow down before the powers that be at the FCC and beg them, beg them. To approve their merger, and they're not going to beg. They're going to describe all the ways in which the consumer will benefit from this merger of the only two players in the industry. I think that (laughs) I think that's how they're going to spin it to the outside world. But I bet behind closed doors, there's going to be some begging. Oh yeah, through the lobbyists, but but publicly tomorrow they'll be going through all of the ways in which you know service is going to just improve tremendously in this this whole. Notion of competition has just been holding back uh, the services that everybody uh, can get. Let's move on to Under Armour. First quarter profits came in higher than expected. They raised <laughs> guidance again. Really good quarter. And anytime you have the one-two punch of profits higher than expected, and we're raising guidance, usually that's enough to send the stock up. But I think Under Armour might now officially be in the really, really good, just ain't good enough phase of their stock. Yeah, it was a great quarter. Again, I think the 20th quarter in a row where they've had 20% uh, growth uh, or better. They were, I think, 25% uh, growth, 27% if you exclude foreign currency effects, which is a better uh, adjustment than a lot of other sort of multinationals. Under Armour still is enough uh, concentrated in the U.S. that the its international business is growing nicely, but is not big enough yet. Where the currency effects have had a big effect on this quarter, you know, it's down today because although it uh, raised guidance above what it had established, it was targeting for the year. Uh, the guidance that it provided was less than what the market analysts have projected for the company for the year. So it's sort of in a in a nether you know region there where it's both better than they said they were going to do but not as good as analysts expect them to do the company was the stock was at an all-time high after yesterday i think probably there was some short covering going into the earnings uh, this morning which drove the stock price up it's back down to where it was 7 8 days ago so it's it's had a quarter which reestablishes just how good uh, things are going for the company but at a you know, price to earnings of of eighty eight. It it does have to have blowout to to move the stock meaningfully higher. Who is shorting this stock? Who is betting a gig? I mean, let's go back to the twentieth once once rich people twentieth <laughs> straight quarter yep. of twenty percent gains or more in terms of uh, in terms of sales. I think that is. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna. You're you're really going to put your money on the line and bet against this business it, and this CEO. Yeah, it is tough to win the short game by calculating that this company's great, but it's overpriced. You know that that's a statement. You're going to be right about that some of the time, but to make money on 
you know, this great company is just too expensive. I think the stock price is going to come down. Uh, that that game has not worked out, you know, for for short sellers of Under Armour. As I say, I think there were fewer of them at the close of the market yesterday. Um, and, you know, probably some people buying for because they thought there would be some blowout earnings. So you had you know above average volume yesterday uh, around anticipating some aspect or another uh, of of the quarter, and you know, it's down four percent today. But as I say, it's back to where it was a few days ago. Let's get to one of the all-time great ticker symbols, and that is Harley Davidson HOG. First quarter profits up, and that's about the only really good thing you can say about this quarter because uh, their revenue was light. They lowered their guidance. They lowered a full year forecast for shipments. Uh, the stock today is having its biggest one day drop in more than two years. This is a company you look at pretty closely. Does is there any? I don't want to say is there any reason for optimism because that suggests that all is all hope is lost, but. On balance, this appears to be a not great quarter, and at least for the foreseeable future, not great prospects. Well, okay, they lowered their revenue guidance for the year down to two percent to four percent growth, which is you know about the growth of the worldwide economy, um, down from four to six percent growth. And what they have said is, and, and disclosure: this is a stock we. Own in in one of the funds, and um, and that I own some shares of personally. Uh, so you have my condolences today. It's done done fine before <laughs> before today. I don't need that, you know. But it's the the situation here is they've got competitors, of course, and they are referencing in their earnings release a price war where the the Japanese and the German. The motor and cycle manufacturers are uh, cutting prices, and they're only willing to play that game up to a point. And Harley's problem right now is they've got a beloved and established high-priced brand, which is manufactured uh, exclusively here in the U.S., which keeps their loyalty very high. They've got you know. As as the saying goes, how many companies have people tattooing their names onto themselves? <laughs> right, it's a short list. That's <laughs> and and Harley's and Harley is able to have that kind of loyalty in part by having been very um, dedicated to manufacturing in the U.S. This also makes them uh, sort of an aspirational thing for uh, the Asian market and, and other places uh, to buy. Uh, because this is a really, really American thing. Now, when currency goes against you, that's a problem because they can't. And that's a problem you can't control. That's a problem that you can't control, other than to start manufacturing abroad, which most multinationals, you know, they're affa- they're affected by currency, but they're also manufacturing a lot of stuff abroad, so they're only hurt to a certain extent. Harley gets the full brunt of that. It's going to be tough for them uh, while the currency is. As strong the dollar is, as strong as it is, uh, and you know, if the two to four percent growth for the year, as we say, that's about what you know the, the economy, the global economy, is growing by. So it's not, it's not terrible. Uh, they do have money to buy back shares. They've been buying back shares. Uh, do they a have bit a good more. track record on that? They had a good track record of maintaining 
uh, share count for a long time and not growing by options or uh, so they they have knocked down their share pro- their share count over the last five years by you know a decent amount but they're not a like a compulsive you know uh, reacquire of their shares they had in 0809 enough troubles that they they needed to save some of their cash of course having a lot of their business tied up in financing operations uh, financing the sale of their bikes that that division uh, that was trouble in 0809 so they had to be a bit more uh, cautious about that boy if they could go back in time and buy shares back at the 09 price uh, 10 even 11 they'd, they'd be delighted. So I think rather than try to keep the manufacturing as high as they said they had wanted to earlier, um, they're probably going to be you know cutting back uh, on the manufacturing to protect the brand power, not compete uh, aggressively on price, uh, and use some of their cash flow to buy back shares. I can't think of any other company besides Harley Davidson where people are tattooing the logo. Comcast. <laughs> I mean, seriously, have you? I've seen plenty of people who have a Harley Davidson tattoo. I can't think, other than sort of the odd joker who decides I'm going to tattoo. Send us, send us in uh, any tattoos that you are wearing from publicly traded companies, because we're, we're we we don't travel in those circles that much um, because of how old we are. The, the, the although, people getting tattoos a lot. Although we are we are in the demographic of Harley Davidson shoppers. I mean that yes. that is that is one issue that we've talked about before is an aging demographic um, which works for them. But the, one of the things they've tried to work on over the last five to ten years is appealing to a younger market. Yeah, and they've still got work to do. Uh, they're they're doing okay in that and expanding um, into more women riders and, and buyers, and they have done a good job in expanding internationally. Uh, but it's true that, that the sort of demographic that they uh, are strongest in is old white males, and th- th- that leaves them some opportunities. Um, but really, we want to know about other tattoos that are out there on, on anybody. Yeah, you can tweet us at MarketFoolery, or you can drop us Coke, a note. maybe. Radio at Fool.com. Let's, you know what? Our man behind the Wrigley's. glass. Wrigley's. <laughs> I don't know. Our man behind the glass today, Dan Boyd, um, has more experience in the, in the personalized ink department than either you or I. Dan, off the top of your head, two, two questions. One, Ever think about a Harley Davidson tattoo, or or is that is that, was that never really in the cards for you to this point? Uh, I don't I don't know how to ride a motorcycle. Okay, uh, I, I don't, and I don't like the idea of putting a logo of a company on uh, me. Okay, um, what about Exxon? <laughs> can you think of any other publicly, whether it's publicly traded company or not? I, I mean, I I think we've all seen people online where it's like, oh look at the, here's the guy who got the McDonald's menu tattooed to his leg or something <laughs> really? like that. Something like that, like the golden arches, or you know something. But I'm looking. I'm looking for. I'm not looking for like the one-off Joker. I'm you looking need at for, least five. At least I, five people yeah, it's like globally. A, at least five people have have just gone with this logo. I, well, I don't know about that, but there is a professional wrestler uh, who has a Pepsi tattoo. Is the Pepsi Corporation paying him for that? No, he got it because he's straight edge, and other people were getting like beer tattoos. Okay. Yeah. I feel like his agent should have negotiated Do something. Do people have Budweiser tattoos? Is that 
Tweet us at MarketFoolery. Email us, radio at fool.com. And, you know, educate us. Obviously, pictures are great, but we'll, we'll just go with anecdotal evidence as well. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.